Welcome to Overlooked. My name is Yemi, and I'll be your host for the show. Released weekly, I share Overlooked stories from around the world with you. This will include the good, the bad, the weird, and sometimes the absolutely hilarious. Come back often, share with your friends, and feel free to add the podcast to your regular podcast rotation, wherever you get your podcasts. If you come across stories or articles that you think should be featured here, please don't hesitate to share them. Now, it's time for this week's episode. Hi everyone, welcome to another episode. Hope you guys are taking some time out for self-care. Anyway, let's get into this week's episode right away. We have a lot to cover. Our first story takes us to Sudan, where the government of Sudan has now agreed to cooperate with the International Criminal Court, or ICC, in the ICC's efforts to prosecute those who are wanted for war crimes and genocide in connection with the Darfur conflict. This was confirmed in a televised address by the Sudanese Prime Minister Abdallah Hamdok. The Sudanese authorities have agreed to hand over Omar al-Bashir, a politician who served as the seventh president of Sudan between 1989 to 2019, to the ICC so he can face trial on war crimes and genocide. Al-Bashir faces three counts of genocide, five counts of crimes against humanity, and two counts of war crimes for his alleged role in leading a deadly crackdown as part of the Darfur conflict. The Darfur conflict is long and complicated, and a one to two minute summary will absolutely not do it any justice. So I will encourage you to look into it further if you're interested. You can use the links that I have provided to get you started. So just for a quick summary, the Darfur region lies in the western part of Sudan, near the borders with Libya, Chad, and Central African Republic. The name Darfur itself is from the words Darfur, which in Arabic means the land of the fur. Since 1968, the Sudanese politicians had tried to create separate factions of Africans and Arabs in the western area of Darfur. Well, for clarity, that would have been a difficult task because the populations had substantially intermarried and it's really not possible to distinguish these groups by skin tone. The Darfur conflict itself started in 2003 when rebels from the Sudan Liberation Movement or SLM and the Justice and Equality Movement or JEM launched an insurrection to protest what they believed was the Sudanese government's disregard of their western region and its non-Arab population. Now in response, the government equipped and supported Arab militias which came to be known as Janjangui or um, to fight against the rebels in Darfur. The government also responded with a kind of a scorched earth assault of aerial bombings in the region and the Janganweed terrorized the civilians in the region and prevented international aid organizations from delivering much of the needed food and medical supplies to the region. The Sudanese government claims that up to 10,000 people were killed in the conflict but other reports Place these figures at almost 400,000 in some cases. Now, over 2.7 million in the 6 million-ish population have been driven from their homes. There have been several attempts at peace and reconciliation over the years, but this has not come without periodic bouts of challenges, and some of these have been as recent as July this year. Over to Libya now, where last week Friday, 
Rival authorities announced that they are seizing fire and that elections will be organized pretty soon. The deal was welcomed by the United Nations. The statements were signed by Fayez al-Sarraj, head of the Internationally Recognized Government of National Accord, or GNA, based in the capital of Tripoli, and Anguilla Saleh, speaker of the Eastern-based parliament, which is backed by Khalifa Haftar. Haftar controls a large parts of the east and southern parts of Libya. The GNA statement has also called for elections in March of 2021. Since the fall of Muammar Gaddafi's regime in 2011, Libya has been plagued by multiple conflicts and a struggle for influence between these two rival authorities. Both sides in Libya's civil war have international support. Turkey, Italy, and Qatar are among those siding with the GNA in Tripoli, while Russia, Egypt, and the United Arab Emirates back Haftar. We're still going to hang out on the African continent for a little bit longer. In Mali, the military led by Colonel Diao has ousted President Ibrahim Boubacar Keita, who announced his resignation in a statement in the middle of last week. The now ex-president was then subsequently taken to a military base. Keita was held at gunpoint and did not have a lot of choice in the matter but to actually resign. Many people appeared to celebrate this news in Bamako, and civilians who are fed up with the dire economic situation and the Islamic insurgency have been calling for him to resign ever since June of 2020. The rebelling soldiers promised on Wednesday to oversee elections within a reasonable time. They did not pick a specific date and time. This will be the fourth military coup in Mali's history. The international community has since condemned the rebellion in Mali and called for the immediate release of the former president. Turkey's president has said on Friday last week that the country had made its biggest ever discovery of natural gas after completing new exploration work in the Black Sea. President Erdogan said that the 320 billion cubic meter deep sea find was made at a site Turkish vessels began exploring last month and that he hoped to see the first gas reach Turkish consumers in 2023. Right now, Turkey relies heavily on Russia for its energy needs. Last year, energy imports cost Turkey 41 billion US dollars. Erdogan has vowed to step up the search for energy in the Mediterranean by the end of 2020. This comes despite tensions between Turkey itself and Greece over oil and gas exploration in the eastern Mediterranean region. The German pharmaceutical firm Bayer has said last week that it would pay out about 1.6 billion US dollars in settlements after claims in the United States that its ensure birth control device causes internal injuries. Bayer has also said that these payments does not form an admission of wrongdoing. The company has said that the payments represent about 90% of the 39,000 claims made by women that have alleged injury from the contraceptive apparatus. The pharmaceutical company has said that it is still in talks with the legal counsel for the remaining 10%. The women said, among other things, that the metal parts of the device could become dislodged and end up in parts of their body, causing some internal damage. Yikes. Last week's settlement comes after Bayer was just recently ordered in June 
to pay 10.4 billion US dollars in compensation in a California court over allegations that the firm's Roundup weed killer causes cancer. This story was covered in episode 16 of season 1, where we also spoke about conjoined twins being separated in Italy. The conjoined twins will be the episode cover if you want to go back and listen to it. Our next story takes us to Germany, where three U.S. senators have threatened the ferry port on the island of Rügen with crushing sanctions to prevent the Nord Stream 2 pipeline from being completed. The U.S. strongly opposes the pipeline, which is owned by Russian gas company Gazprom and will carry natural gas from Russia to Germany. The U.S. argues that the pipeline will increase Europe's dependence on Russia. As an alternative, the U.S. has proposed selling American natural gas to Europe instead. In their threatening letter, which is linked in the blog, and as I read it, I can see why most of the articles called it a threatening letter. Republican Senators Ted Cruz, Tom Cotton, and Ron Johnson accused port operator Fran Hafen Sessionich, and I'm very, very certain I pronounced that wrong, of knowingly providing significant goods, services, and support for the project. Morcan Port, located in the small seaside town of Sazenis, on Baltic Sea island of Rügen, now finds itself at the center of a geopolitical showdown between Russia and the United States. Along with securing sections of the pipe, the port serves as a logistic and service center for ships constructing the German end of the pipeline. Despite opposition, the Nord Stream 2 is nearly finished, so only around 160 kilometers remain out of the planned 1,220-kilometer-long twin pipeline. Our feature story this week takes us to the Republic of Cyprus, where we discuss the Cyprus Papers. The Cyprus Papers are a batch of leaked documents obtained exclusively by Al Jazeera's investigative unit, which contains more than 1,400 approved applications for the Cyprus Investment Program, or CIP, run by the Republic of Cyprus. So why should you care? And why is this interesting? Don't worry, I got you. I'll explain in a second. The program allows people to buy Cypriot passports and by extension become European citizens by investing at least 2.1 million euros or 2.5 million US dollars in the country usually by buying real estate or having a clean criminal record. However, what these papers show is that these procedures were not always followed, and apparently money wins today. Among the 2,500 names that appear in the leaked documents, there are dozens of individuals who anti-corruption campaigners have said should not have been granted Cypriot citizenship in the first place. Or there are people who right now could be stripped of their Cypriot citizenship because of criminal activity following the granting of their passports. These include fraudsters, money launderers, and political figures accused of corruption from more than 70 countries. Cyprus is a member of the European Union. And specifically, when I speak of Cyprus, the island is split in two. There's the Greek side and the Turkish side. The Greek side is a member of the European Union. So, as I said, Cyprus is a member of the European Union. And holding its passport would then offer the holder access to free travel, work, and banking in all member states of the Union. Between 2017 and 2019, the countries with the highest number of people applying were Russia, China, and Ukraine. Since 2013, 
When the passport program was started, the country has made more than 7 billion euros or 8 billion US dollars, which has subsequently been used to keep the nation's economy afloat. Seeing these numbers, there are obviously financial incentives to be a little bit more lax with some of these investments and the sources of this investment. The Minister of the Interior, Nikos Nouris, told Al Jazeera that no citizenship was granted in violation of the rules enforced at the given time. In May 2019, Cyprus introduced tougher rules on who was eligible for citizenship, which banned anyone under investigation who was wanted, convicted, or under international sanctions from buying a passport. Cyprus has said that they are now reviewing the pass applications and have announced that about 30 unnamed people face the possibility of losing their citizenship. However, the Cyprus papers have shown that many, many more have fallen foul of the new law. Over the coming days, Al Jazeera will reveal dozens of other people who acquired um, Cypriot citizenship, including many who would now be in breach of the country's rules for application. I will not be covering these individual names in future episodes of Overlooked. And the reason for this is to do it a proper service or not to do you a disservice, I would need to not only talk about the names, but the reasons why these individuals would have run afoul of the law, including any possible crimes they may be accused of. Instead, as the stories are updated or as more names are released, the news stories will be shared on Tunuka Media's social media, which include Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. So don't miss out. Go ahead and follow us on any of our social media pages to keep abreast of information as they come across our tables. Microsoft has confirmed that it will be ending the support for the Internet Explorer on 17th August 2021 after 25 years. They've said that the Teams web app will no longer be supported on the browser from the end of November this year, 2020, and all remaining Microsoft 365 apps and services will end their support on the browser in summer of 2021. Following these dates, users will either have a degraded experience when using apps and services on the browser or be unable to connect entirely. So here's saying goodbye to the browser that I've used to download other browsers. Since we started Overlooked in March this year, and again, thank you so much to everyone that has been with us since the journey started, there have been very few stories that make me really visibly shake my head, and this is one of them. So a supermarket in Brazil called Carrefour is facing backlash about the way it handled the body of one of its staff. Last week, a 53-year-old salesman, Moises Santos, suffered a heart attack and passed away while working on the job. What would you as an employer or a store that sells food and products do? If I owned the store, what I would have done was shut the store down and maybe have the body taken away in a way that was respectful of it. But no. Rather than shutting the store, the body was covered with umbrellas. And I'm still debating whether I'm going to put the picture up on Instagram. But the body was covered with umbrellas and surrounded by boxes, beer crates, and makeshift siding during four hours while customers shopped and the store continued to operate. The company has now released an apology, as well it should, 
saying that it has revised its policies and plans to remain available to support the family of Mr. Santos. Based on the translations I found, the company never said exactly what kind of supports they were going to provide to Mr. Santos' family, especially when they had treated the body in such a disrespectful way. Scientists in London claim to have achieved the world's fastest ever internet speed. These speeds are quick enough to download the entire Netflix library in a split second. The University College of London team was led by Dr. Lydia Galdino, who said that these ultra-broadband speeds will now underpin the next generation of the internet, supporting mobile 5G networks used by data-hungry applications such as driverless cars and smart city infrastructure. Tests are still ongoing to expand the distance that the ultra-fast broadband data can travel. It is still unclear when the technology will become commercially viable. This week, I'm going to finish up the episode with your fun fact, laced with a mix of weirdness. So I thought this was a really nice way to end the episode and let me know what you think about this story in particular. It might require a little googling on your part so you can visualize exactly what I'm talking about. I'll start by saying this. I think high fashion is weird. You know the ones where they walk on the runway? Yes, I think it's weird. There, I said it. But like many forms of art, beauty tends to lie in the eye of the beholder. So something that to me would look weird or out of this world may be revolutionary to someone else who can appreciate its quirky presentation. This particular find takes high fashion's regular weirdness and cranks it all the way up to a different level. So what I'm going to ask you to do if you have time is look up Hare Krishnan's viral inflatable trousers. Hare Krishnan is spelled H-R-I-K-R-I-S-H-N-A-N. I'm going to try and describe them to you, so follow me here. They are latex inflatable trousers for men. They're skinny at the top, but wide like a ball at the calf and cuffed at the ankle. So imagine inflatable harem pants or MC Hammer pants and in latex, or if you can imagine wearing a bowling pin, that's kind of how it looks like. Well, you, my dear fashion-loving listener, can now pre-order these divisive art pieces for the low, low price of 870 British pounds or 1,500 Canadian dollars. Of course, the inflatable trousers are not complete without its fair share of caution. So, while waiting around town, remember that you must keep them away from heat and daylight, metals, and avoid contact with all oils. So essentially, wear them, stand still, and do nothing. I dare say that this fashion trend might blow up. Yes, I absolutely intended that pun. Whatever. Anyway, let me know what you think. And until then... Have yourselves a great week. Thanks for listening, friends. As a reminder, the podcast is released weekly. Subscribe or follow across social media to be notified when a new episode is released. Overlooked is a Tunuka Media production, which also includes shows like Africa in My Kitchen with more on the way. Follow Tunuka Media on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter to connect to say hi or to be on the forefront of upcoming shows and program schedules. Until next time, I'm your host, Yemi. 
wishing you a better tomorrow.